Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg, and this is The Coach's Show. Today, we have the head coach of the Missouri State Bears, Dana Ford. Coach Ford is heading into his second season at the helm and has a team that could be picked to win the Missouri Valley Conference. We talk about his journey to Missouri State, how he is going about building up this program, the team he has coming back next year, and a little bit about the Valley at large. Hope you enjoy. So we'll start with with you. You're only 34 years old. You've been a head coach for five years now. This is your second job. How did you get into this so early, and what's been kind of your journey leading up to where you are now at Missouri State? You know, I was fortunate. Um, I played Division One basketball at Illinois State, and I um, graduated there in 06 and um, was able to land a graduate assistant spot with Greg Marshall while, while he was at Winthrop. And, um, you know, anytime you, you, you get an opportunity to get, get on with somebody like Greg Marshall, obviously now you've got someone in the business whose name carries some weight. And uh, after I spent some time as his GA, I, uh, I went to Tennessee State and help them win and, and build a great relationship with the administration as an assistant coach. And um, after serving some time as associate head coach with Dan Muller, Illinois State, they brought me back to be this head coach just because, you know, the relationships I built while I was an assistant. And um, I think once you get your opportunity, then the rest of it is on you. And uh, we were able to build, you know, Tennessee State up to a respectable level, something in which – I think they had probably experience in maybe 30, 35 years. And uh, that, that caught the eye of, of the administration at Missouri State. And, and now we, we've at, we're we at a place where we feel like we can we can win win championships. Yeah, you, you had uh, several different stints coaching with Greg Marshall. And, I you know, obviously one of the best coaches in the game today. What did you learn under him? You know, I think – you start with accountability, uh, uh, holding people accountable for doing their job, uh, when they're supposed to do it, how they're supposed to do it. Um, also the importance of, uh, building a total program. You know, you, you can't just be good at one thing. If you want to be a successful head coach, you, you kind of got to be good at everything. And, uh, whether that's in-game coaching, recruiting, uh, dealing with, uh, donors, um, building relationships with players, um, communication with the media. I mean, it's it just, you know, taking time to be good at, at everything. And, and um, I think that he, he does a great job of assembling teams where their, their, their sums are, their sum ends up being greater than their parts. And, and those have just been some of the things that I've probably learned that, that I've, that I've tried to take along with me. Uh, you know, you, you talk about having a complete program. I, I imagine a lot of that also depends on the staff that you build around you. Um, who do you have on staff that kind of helps you with each of those areas that you mentioned? Well, we, we've got a fantastic staff here. I mean, we're, we're very fortunate. Uh, we, we've got some guys that, that may be young in age, but they're very experienced. And what that means is they were good early and, uh, Corey Gibson's our associate head coach. Uh, he does a great job, um, you know, with our players. He does a great job recruiting. 
Um, he, he's really tied into the donors at our university, and that, that really helps uh, in, in terms of building relationships and, and, and you know, getting things that, that other programs may not be able to get that, that, that ends up helping us in recruiting and helping us in game preparation or whatever. And so uh, he, he's done a great job. And, and also uh, Jake Hedrick used to be a head coach at Chipola Junior College, uh, does a fantastic job with relationships with the players, a really good recruiter, uh, has spent some time with Scott Padgett down at Sanford and, and helped that program become uh, more respectable. And then finally, uh, Jace Hurl uh, was the interim head coach at Colorado State uh, after being a junior college head coach in his mid-20s. So uh, he, he does a fantastic job on the recruiting trail and uh, uh, communication with media and, and things like that. So we, we've got a we've got a very well-rounded staff. And uh, I, I tell you what, our, our staff deserves a lot of credit uh, for, you know, the, the solid first year that we had with their game planning, with their preparation, and then also with the incoming recruits. I think I think our staff deserves all that credit. Uh, they, they've done a fantastic job. Yeah, now you're you're headed into uh, year two at Missouri State. Uh, year one, 16 and 16, finished tied for third in the Valley. This will be, you know, this is your second head coaching job. What in your experience is kind of the biggest difference between year one at a university and then year two? You know, I think I think the biggest thing is year one is spent a lot of time uh, just building your foundation, not necessarily looking at the wins and the losses, uh, because I think when you take over programs, there's a lot of things out of your control. So I think the biggest difference is things are now starting to be a little bit more in your control as far as the roster, as far as the schedule, as far as uh, how you operate, amongst the campus, uh, uh, within the administration. So, so you're starting to get a better grip, a grasp, sorry, on things. And um, it's, it's one of those things where now you can kind of start to put your, your, your fingerprints all over everything as if, you know, when you first take over, uh, you, you, you're kind of doing more navigating as opposed to actually leading. And, and so I think we've started to transition into – coming out of some rough waters, hopefully starting to get into some, 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 some easier waters in terms of trying to get this thing to where it's, it's directing itself and, and we're going in the right direction. So uh, first years are just big-time adjustment periods. Um, some people are better at it than others. Some people take their time more than others. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to do it. I like the way we've done it. I think we've built a great foundation. And hopefully now we've got some some things to build up on for uh, for years to come. Yeah, um, you know you you were in a spot when you got to Missouri State. The program wasn't you know in shambles. It wasn't a complete rebuilding job for you. Um, but what you did do is you brought in a lot of transfers, JUCO um, or from other places in Division One. Um, was that kind of a, a scramble to get guys onto campus, or how, how did that go in, in the initial months as head coach, putting a team together? You know, when we evaluated the job after we uh, found out that we were going to accept it, uh, it was one of those situations where their senior class was 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 very big. It was it was mm-hmm. maybe five, even six people, and I think they'd only signed one player. They had a couple 
redshirt guys sitting out, but but we knew that we would have some cap space. So what we decided to do, uh, being my second time taking over and understanding that first years sometimes are hard, we decided to plan for you know years three, four, five, and and and, and what we did was we took some some Division One transfers to sit them out in, in in hopes that we would start to turn the corner around years three and four and five, like I, like I mentioned, and be be pretty good at, at a championship level. So that was our plan, you know, going in. And so when, when, when we got there, we knew that the, the transfer market was, was extremely large, as is today. And, and, you know, it's just changed from what it was five, ten years ago. So it was part of our plan the entire time to use that market and to, to, to maybe sign guys late that maybe needed a year before they started to play their best basketball. So uh, we, we were fortunate there were still players available. Um, you know, one of the best things that my staff – does is recruit and so uh, they did a great job filling those holes late in the process and uh, most of the guys that we sign late are, are really going to impact our program uh, who, who, who are those guys well you know keandre cook was one of the guys that we first signed when we got there late uh, he was third team all conference this year newcomer uh, all all newcomer team as long as well as josh webster we signed him in the summer Transfer from Texas Tech was a fifth-year uh, point guard for us this year. He was all newcomer team, led the league in assists, turnover ratio, led the league in assists. Uh, and then Tulio De Silva was another player that we signed in the spring. He was first team all Valley. He was the newcomer of the year, and uh, I think he finished fourth for player of the year. So, I mean, we signed all those guys in the spring, and then you add on top of that, Josh Hall transferred from Nevada, who set out this year, Tyreek Dixon. We signed him in the summer, transferred from Middle Tennessee. Uh, both those guys have played the NCAA tournament, uh, quality minutes. And, uh, I mean, those are those are some pretty good signees in the in the late period. Yeah, and Tulio De Silva is someone who has now put his name into the NBA draft. He hasn't hired an agent, so he, you know, he's still come back. He, he's going to play professionally at some point, whether it's, you know, next year or down the road. We'll, what is it that will make him successful at the next level? Well, I think I think he's got a decision to make, and I think that decision has to be that he's going to be a high-motor, uh, big-time rebounder, uh, energy team guy, and I think that, that he'll find his way onto someone's roster eventually. Uh, he's a fantastic athlete, very mobile, got great uh, lengths. Uh, he's improving his jump shot. He, he, he made 38% of his threes this year, which is a good clip. He just needs to shoot more next year, but but I think if he if he buys into uh, dominating the glass, defending multiple positions, um, finishing above the rim, providing some energy uh, for 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 a team, I think I think he can find his way into the NBA eventually. Uh, and I know this off season he's really working on his game in preparation for uh, some of the NBA workouts coming up. So. Uh, hopefully he'll continue to develop and have that opportunity to play in the NBA. Are are you a fan of this process that now the last few years players have started going through where so many more are actually testing the waters and getting feedback from people in, in the league or outside of their own coaching staff? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the, 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 in the middle of the road on it. I think that mm-hmm. if, if there's a guy who is a, borderline first rounder or borderline undrafted, I think those guys need to take that opportunity to to get a, a true 
uh, evaluation. And now I think there's other guys who are starting to enter their name uh, with, 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 with absolutely no chance of being drafted and, and no chance of being a first-rounder. So uh, I think if it's something that's legitimate for whoever it is doing it, I think it's great. I also think it's great that they now have the opportunity to return to school. Um, so I, I think that, that those things are, are good. Uh, but, again, uh, as long as people use it the right way, I, I think the, the, the intention, like most rules, the intention of the rule is good. It's when people start to abuse it that makes it bad. Right. Now, you, you do have a lot of guys returning next year. The expectations are going to be high. As you said, you're kind of building for a couple of years down the road. Uh, have you thought at all about what those goals are going to be next year and all of the different pieces that you're going to have both coming in and returning? You know, our goals are going to be the same, no, no matter what the outside expectations are. We're, we're just now we're trying to build on our foundation. I mean, uh, year one, our goal was to, to build a foundation, and, and now we're just trying to uh, uh, build upon that. And, and that's kind of what we do, and that's how we go about it. And uh, I think if our guys take the blueprint of the three seniors that we lost from this past season's team and continue to build upon what has already been laid, then I think that we will accomplish our goal. Uh, we, we try not to say win this amount of games or, or, or do this uh, 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 a certain thing because at the end of the day, we, we feel like if we go about our business in a, in a, in a, in a workmanship type of way, then, then we will obtain probably what our ultimate goal is and, and, and what most of our fans' ultimate goal is. So, uh, but we want our guys focus on 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 being process driven, not not necessarily uh, uh, on a particular goal. Because what, what I've learned uh, being a head coach is, although you may not obtain a certain goal you set out, you, you still have other things that you can accomplish that'll make a year very good as opposed to being upset that you didn't do certain things and now that starts to affect the process and you know we just try to stay away from that as much as possible but uh we 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 welcome expectations i think it's important i tell our players all the time to understand what people think you should be doing Uh, most of the time they're probably right it's not like it's rocket science that we're doing we're just playing basketball and uh but but also appreciate the opportunity to play where people expect you to win because everyone doesn't have that expectation and that's and that's something that we that we invite, and, and now it's our job to hopefully fulfill that. Uh, sorry, can you expand a little bit on what you mean by players being process driven? You know, just just understanding to to put your focus on doing what it takes, and not necessarily putting your focus on what what you're trying to achieve. Just you you have to put your your whole heart and mind and energy into doing the things that it takes to get the thing that you want. Don't, don't worry about the thing that you want. You, you, you've got to be so bought into uh, doing what it takes. And for us, you know, what it takes is being a great teammate. What it takes is uh, a strength and conditioning program. What it takes is, is, is trying to do your best every day in practice, whether we're going for 15 minutes of shooting or two hours of shale. It, it really doesn't matter. But whatever we're doing, you, you need to be more process-driven of, of, of buying into doing what it takes in order to get what you want, not necessarily worry about what it is that you want. Because if you don't ever do what it takes, then you're not going to get it. Right. Um, you, you have made a couple of additions in the offseason. One of the guys you got uh transfer 
Anthony Massington Bonner from uh, Colorado State. What's he going to bring uh, to the table next year that maybe you didn't have? Well, I think, number one, you, you would hope that he brings some leadership. But being a senior, a fifth-year senior, he, he's been a part of a Division One program already for four years. Uh, he, he, he's definitely going to bring some character. He's a great kid, comes from a great family, uh, has been has been has been coached by uh, Larry Stacey, who's, who's proven to be a good coach at this level, as well as Nico Medved, two guys that I have a lot of respect for, and I'm sure that they have, have installed great things in him. Uh, and then, you know, a guy who has been close to making the NCAA tournament uh, early in right. his career at Colorado State. So hopefully that, that burning fire, that desire inside of him to do what it takes to get our team there, uh, if that's something that they set out to, to achieve. And, and, and uh, I think the most important thing are, are those things that I mentioned, his leadership and his character. And then in terms of on the floor, uh, probably being able to make a shot, you know, being able to create for others, play play multiple guard positions, uh, make big shots down the stretch, you know, uh, and just be, be, be a winner and, 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 and be an overachiever kind of like he's been his whole life. Yeah, and, and then um, the other guy you got, Lamont West from West Virginia. Uh, this is somebody obviously played in the Big 12, and he's not somebody who just couldn't get minutes. I mean, he started games – and he was a serious contributor there. How, how excited are you to add him to the fold? Well, we're excited. I mean, he he gives us another body that, that can play at this level and help us hopefully, uh, uh, you know, accomplish the things that we want to. Uh, and, and he's a great kid. You know, he's a, he's a great kid. He, he's, he's, he's already been uh, uh, academic all-conference multiple times, uh, comes from a, a, a great family as well, uh, is, is, a, is a kid who – should understand what it takes to, to, to get to where people want to get to in terms of postseason play. He's, he's played in two inches tournaments. He's played for a legendary coach, um, you know, on the floor. He's a tremendous shot maker with great size. We feel like in our league he can play multiple positions. I mean, he, he can play three three positions for sure. And, and um, you know, we, we'll have to adjust some things that we do defensively if he's defending smaller players. But I just think the, the the give and take for us is is, is just is just going to be uh, more than than what you know the negative side of that will be. So it'll be more positive give and take for us as opposed to negative when you talk about playing him along with Tulio da Silva and Gage Prim, one of our junior college signees. So yeah. uh, we're we're excited about him. And, and and again, both those guys that you mentioned are great kids. They're not transferring for, to us for any reason outside of they, they want they want bigger roles basketball-wise, and, and they want to try to do something uh, at, a, at a university that hasn't been done since, you know, 1999. Yeah, how, how, how do you um, pitch your program to somebody who's played in the NCAA tournament or you know, has, has had a lot of success in the past, you know, when you're trying to bring in a transfer or a JUCO guy for one or two years. Well, you know, I think I think number one in recruiting, uh, I think the human nature side of recruiting is everyone is kind of looking for something individually first and foremost. I I don't think that that's any secret. So we we ask we ask guys what what are you looking for, and 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 if they if if what they're looking for we can we can provide whether it be playing time or whether it be opportunity to to make history or whether it be uh, available uh, 
um, uh, resources that maybe they didn't have or, or relationships with coaches or whatever, whatever the case may be, playing closer to home, uh, playing a different position, whatever it is they're looking for. If, if we feel like we can offer that, then, then, you know, we try to pitch that. And, and I think that part of our sale for, for a couple of these guys that are coming in for one, maybe two years is come, come in here and try to do something that hadn't been done and, and see what type of legacy you could leave. Because what, what, I, will, what, I, what I will say is uh, Springfield, Missouri, loves basketball. And, and, and whether it be Bears basketball, Lady Bears basketball, uh, high school basketball, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, they love basketball, and you've got an opportunity to leave a legacy here and a legacy that could probably last for, for, for a long time. And, and so I think a lot of guys are honest with themselves. When they make these transitions now, they want to they want to make sure that they go to a level where they're going to have an impact. And I think that that's what we're getting with not only our, our junior college signees last year, but also some of our signees this year. Yeah, and and between your signees this year, between the guys who sat out last year and and your returners, you've got a lot of different pieces uh, coming back or coming in. Have you thought about lineups or how they're all going to fit together? I haven't thought much about lineups at this particular time with next year's team because we we've got the summer and we've got the fall. What I've really focused on this past spring was. Um, you know, developing our bodies in the weight room, uh, trying to go back and understand some of the mistakes that we made as coaches throughout the year that we can get better at, and then uh, try to get ahead of the curve in, in some recruiting. But but I, I will start to think more about this team uh, over the next couple of weeks because uh, we'll be off the road spring recruiting here tomorrow, and mm-hmm. then um, we'll be jumping into some summer workouts when our guys return on June the 8th. So I'll take some vacation time and think about the team and, and try to put some things in place. But but we do feel like we have a versatile roster, and and that's just the way that the game is going. We're, we're, we'll probably do more uh, switching defensively next year. We'll probably do more zone next year. Uh, we'll probably play a tad bit faster offensively as long as it doesn't affect our defense. And uh, we, we, we do feel like we have more options next year than what we had uh, this this past season where we could only play a certain type of way. So hopefully that, that helps us get better throughout the year. If you can play different ways and do different things, that helps you become a better team throughout the year and, and hopefully gets you ready for your conference tournament where you may see three different styles of play in three straight days. So uh, we're, we're very optimistic about that. You know, you talk about getting better um, throughout the year. You guys really seem to hit your stride this past year, like end of January, into and then stumbled last uh, five games, you know, losing four out of five, and then in the first round of the conference tournament. What what happened down the stretch, and what are you going to take from that uh, headed into next year? Well, I think part of that was we were we we ended up playing some of the better teams in our league down the stretch. For example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to go to Illinois State, who, who who many in our league felt like had some of the most talent, if not the most talent in the league. That That's a difficult road game in February when, when they're playing for the right to uh, uh, make it to our conference tournament in terms of not being in the playing game. That, that, that was a difficult game for us. And then we came home and played the team that tied for the conference regular season, the team that I thought was the best in the league, uh, top to bottom throughout the league this year. Uh, was Drake, 
And so uh, two of those games were, were, were against very tough opponents. And it would have been hard to win no matter what. But, but I think what, what eventually caught up to us was people really had an opportunity to study film and adjust to the way we played. And we were so limited that we couldn't make many changes. We, we, we kind of had to do what we, what we were doing. And it wasn't like what we were doing was necessarily best for the personnel, but it, it ended up being best for our team, uh, especially when people couldn't prepare for it. And basically we slowed the game down. Uh, we, we, we tried to play uh, a possession basketball, and, and we shot the ball very well throughout a, a stretch, a month, where we only lost to one team, Northern Iowa, twice. And so uh, down the stretch we didn't shoot the ball quite as well, and I think it finally caught up to us because the lack of possessions, we just could not get enough points. But we all, some of the games that we lost down the stretch, they were still one-possession games. I mean, we had an opportunity at Illinois State under a minute to go to tie it. And then also in the conference tournament, I mean, we lost by one possession. So um, I, I thought last year's team, I, I really thought that we got everything we could out of that group. And, and maybe they ran out of gas. There were some games there in January, February where guys were playing 36, 37, 38 minutes. And that's probably a little, a little too many minutes too early in the season. And, and I think it really caught up to us. You, you talked about um, versatility and about being able to play, um, you know, more than just one style of basketball. I'm wondering with, an entire off season ahead of you, um, including off season workouts and everything. I'm not really sure what as a head coach you are and are not allowed to do uh, in terms of working with players. Is, is this, is there any sort of instructional time that's going to help you with that? Or does that have to wait until the preseason? So we get an opportunity to work with our team in the summer. Um, it's a few hours a week. And, and I think it's at the coach's discretion how they want to use that. Obviously, we'll do things strength conditioning-wise as well as individual improvement early in the summer. And, and when our entire team is here in the second part of the summer, uh, we will we will continue strength conditioning, and then we will add uh, more team workouts. So, uh, you know, we, we feel like we have a veteran team, so it's not like we're going to do a lot of teaching of how hard you should play, although we do have some young players in our program I think they'll be doing more learning on the job uh, once the fall gets here. But but this summer, you know, we're really focusing on areas that we feel like uh, are going to help us win. And, and that's, you know, defending with intensity without fouling. And then on offense, we, we just have to become a lot better shooting team than what we've been in the past. And so uh, I think those will be two emphasis of the summer for, for us. You, as you mentioned, you, you ran into kind of the, the gauntlet of the conference in the last, couple of weeks of the regular season uh you're in a league with coaches like uh porter moser and loyola ben jacobson northern iowa you know you, you've worked with uh with dan muller and with so many good coaches in this league and the list goes on how tough is that like night in and night out preparing in the missouri valley conference like that you know it's extremely tough because like like you mentioned i mean they're there's so many schemes in our league and, and, and coaches do a great job and, and you've got to be able to counter certain things and, and, and kind of get, you know, get your, get your way of doing things to, to overpower someone else's way. And, and uh, it's not like there's just a bunch of basketball being played. I mean, there's some strategic systems in our league and, and guys do a great job. And, 
And, uh, you know, the, the Valley's a league that's always had really good coaches uh, dating back to, man, I mean, probably the 50s and the 60s. So uh, I think it's still that way now. You mentioned a few. And there's other really good coaches in the league. Uh, Bradley just won the league. Brian Wardle's done a great program. He won our conference tournament. Uh, Darren at Drake, first time uh, in the league this year, won the regular season. Uh, so you have to tip your hat to that. And, and uh, you know, there, there are other guys as well. So um, this is a challenging league because a lot of a lot of schools in the league recruit the same players. And, um, you know, their respective schools for, you know, a certain amount of years and, 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 and programs are put in place. And there's a lot of just replacing this player with that player, not a lot of turnover. And uh, you really – you really got to be on your A game, night in, night out. Anybody could really beat anybody. Yeah, and you, you've been around this conference in in some form for for a while. You know, going back to when you were with um, with Greg Marshall. What do you you have an idea of what this conference has been and what it is now? What's your sort of state of the league uh, in in your opinion, and what has to happen for it to continue to elevate? You know, it's it's you've got to be honest with yourself. Uh, anytime you have a situation where you lose Creighton and you lose Wichita State, I mean, those those aren't just good mid-major programs. Those those are national programs. I mean, when you talk about what Dana Altman built at Creighton and obviously Wichita State's run the, the last uh, ten years, I mean, that, that that's that's hard to replace. And and I think our league has has tried to do a good job of replacing those two programs. And so I think that part of it may take time. But um, the, the truth of the matter is I think it gets down to scheduling. And, and I, I can remember when I, when I played in this league, our league was, was – it garnered way more respect from the, the, the bigger leagues. And what I mean by that is people would play us home and home with the hopes of believing they could beat our league because it would produce multiple teams and that would end up being a good win. But now with the realignment of some conferences, when you, when you, when you talk about the creation of the American conference, I mean, that right there just takes a, a huge uh, uh, amount of uh, players, number one, and, 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 and resources, number two, away from the Missouri Valley. And then you, you make the new Big East. That, that, that does the same thing. And then you realign the ACC and in the Big 12. I mean, this realignment has really left us on the outside looking in. And uh, I think that that has caused us not to get the players that we normally would get in the past, which causes us not to have quite the teams, which causes us not to be an attractive game. So now it's, it, it trickles into the scheduling. And, and for us, in order to play a good non-league schedule, we, we're probably going to have to do it on the road. And no matter who you are, no matter how good your team is, it's just hard to win on the road. And and, and I think uh, one of the reasons why a lot of coaches at our level won't schedule aggressively is because we're although the game has realigned, we're all measured still by did we make the NCAA tournament. And you have coaches who are in one-bid leagues getting fired for not making the NCAA tournament. So as a head coach, you've got to try to protect, number one, your 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 career, and then number two, at the same time, you got to try to do what's best for the, the program to get to the NCAA tournament. And so it's, there's so many more moving parts at our level now. But at least now when we get in league play, 
you got an opportunity for other teams to have quality wins throughout the year like the other other conferences do. And and, and and no matter how hard you schedule at our level in the non-league, now you still have to dominate your league because it takes more than one good team to have a good league. So we're going to need some teams to step up and win some conference games, uh, uh, excuse me, some non-conference games, and it's probably going to have to happen on the road because we just don't garner the respect that we used to. Is there anything that can be done um, either from effective or something that's within – the coach's control to try to level the playing field a little bit now that you're at such a disadvantage? You know, I don't think that it's that it's so much uh, leveling the playing field. I, I think what has to happen is the commitment to uh, uh, pouring money into scheduling is, is what has to happen. I, I think that what you have to do is you have to try to get those, those, those net-building teams to play you at your place through, through buy games. And so uh, it's 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 hard to do that because you can't buy a power five or six or seven team. I mean, you just can't buy them. So you've got to try to go out and find the other really good teams throughout the country that are looking to do the same thing you are. But you probably have to buy them because if you play them home and home, they'll probably beat you at their place, and 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 uh, that that won't help you until you get a chance to play them at your place the following year. And then the following year, they may still have the same team that's going to be a net builder. So, I mean, it's just a matrix, but I think money is what could solve it. For, for most people, uh, if you get a, a buddy that's big enough to buy who you want to buy, uh, I think that that would really help. And, you know, you can't, as a conference, you know, just go out and find another Wichita State or find another Creighton or whatever. But within your league itself, you know, as you've mentioned, you you do have these programs that have started to turn a corner, have started to strengthen a lot, like Drake or Illinois State the last couple of years. Uh, what, do you think the conference, um, as it is right now, is getting stronger and can eventually garner a little bit more respect on its own? Well, I, I definitely think it's getting stronger. Again, you, you, I mean, we, we took two major blows when, when we lost, uh, Creighton and Wichita, and, and it just takes time. But but I definitely think that uh, we're starting to, to to be a little bit more well-rounded. Uh, you know, the basketball within our league has always been good. Like we've always had a great league race. What we have to do is 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 figure out a way to get the athletes and the skilled players that can win in the non-league. And 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 just just two years ago, we had the eighth best league in the country. So it's not like we can't do it. This past year, the league was a little bit down, but we, we've, we've got to be able to go out in the non-league and, 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 and get some wins. And I'll be honest, a, a program like a Missouri State, we, we've got to be one of those programs that could kind of carry this league in terms of being able to get the talent uh, uh, that's on par with beating some of these maybe American conference teams consistently, Big East teams consistently, and maybe sneaking up on a Power 5 team every other year or so. So, you know, a lot of that is, is on the success of uh, Missouri State, Bradley, uh, Illinois State, as well as Southern Illinois, who traditionally has been a, a really good basketball program. So we, we just have a little bit of work to do with some of our, some of our uh, uh, key programs. And I think once we do that, with the addition of how, how, how much better the basketball is at Loyola and Drake, I think our league will, will make a big comeback. 
Yeah, I, I was talking to uh, another coach last week, Casey um, Alexander at Belmont, um, and he, he said something I think would probably apply uh, in the Valley as well, which is that with the NCAA's changes to the recruiting calendar and with how the, the recruiting process works over the summer, he, he said that he's going to be forced to recruit a lot more locally. Um, I know there is a lot of talent in your area, in the Missouri area, but you're also competing with a lot of teams from your conference and a lot of quality um, schools at the same level, like in in your area. Are you going to find it more difficult to recruit now with the way things are set up or or no? Well, I definitely think it's it's harder to evaluate. So, yes, it does make it harder to recruit. Uh, Things are are very spread out in, in a short amount of time. And, 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 you know, I really feel – I feel bad for programs like, you know, the program I coached at previously, Tennessee State, where you just don't have the budget to, to make the necessary moves that you have to make in order to evaluate uh, in terms of, 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 of knowing who you're getting and being able to see them play good and play bad and what type of teammate they are, how are they on the third day or whatever the case may be. So I think it's getting it's getting hard from from different angles. It's getting harder for sure. You know, for us, we will continue to recruit Kansas City, St. Louis. Uh, we're also going to recruit the state of Texas. Uh, we will also recruit Arkansas. Those are places where we can jump in a car within a probably about a, a two fifty three hundred mile radius where we can cover and and and, and get quality get quality kids. And, and we will we will also recruit the junior college level as well as the Division One transfer market so we've we've kind of had to uh uh not be so picky in terms of where we want to get our players from just because of all the changes and uh it's one of those things where recruiting is really a matrix i mean it's it's really a matrix and it changes every day so you really got to try to beat the bushes every day and uh it, it is not being made easier by any means with with the way things are are starting to go now all right, so, you know, I'll, I'll let you go uh, in a second, but, you know, eventually November's going to come. The games are going to start again. You'll finally have, uh, you know, the, the regular season will be back. What can Missouri State fans expect to see from you guys next year? What are you most excited about? Oh, you know, that's a good question. And hopefully, I, I hope they see some of the same things that they saw this year. Uh, kids playing absolutely as hard as they can. Uh, kids playing playing together, uh, kids playing uh, until the clock says zero zero zero. Um, kids playing a brand of basketball uh, uh, in which they could be proud of, uh, as well as um, hopefully some development of our players and, and seeing guys take that next step, whether it be with their body, whether it be with uh, uh, a counter move in the post, whether it be with the development of an outside shot or the development of a back to the basket move. We, we just want to, we want to just continue to show progress. And, and I think if we do that, then, then we'll be fine. I, I think last year's team was a team that, that got our fan base excited. Uh, I think next year's team has the possibility to keep that excitement going as well as take it to another level. As long as they, as long as they play as a team, as, as long as they do uh, what, what hopefully we ask them to do, and I think our fans will, will be pleased with the product that we put out on the floor. All right. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you taking the time.
You got it, man. All right. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Coach's Show. Be sure to rate and review us if you get a moment. You could also subscribe. We're available on iTunes and wherever it is that you get your podcasts. My name is Russ Steinberg. We will be back next week when we have John Becker of the Vermont Catamounts. Until then, we will talk to you soon. Hope you have a great week.